that's cool, man. We we I got you covered. We <laughs> we will we will get through. I mean, this is part number two. This will be Daniel like Schroeder. this will probably turn into like a six six or seven part just rolling a rolling series. <laughs> you know what? You know what I like about it? I could be having this every month with the same type of people for literally forever. There is no part limit to this because there's never like mm -hmm. a part, like a knowledge or like a an information stop in our conversations. So that's what that's what I why I love spending yep. time with you and what I just love getting on calls on a casual evening at eight eight, eight o'clock and you just talk for hours and hours and hours about the stuff that interests you. And that that's what brought yep. us back here to the second part. Daniel, how are you doing, my man? What's up? How's life? Dude, I'm good. Um, drinking my cold brew as usual. <laughs> um, I got cold brew, man. Yes, mm. yes, sir. You know what's funny is my um, my girlfriend's dad got me a shirt and it just says cold brew on it, but it's a little small. But I want to wear it so bad because I can go into a coffee shop and they'll be like, "What can I get for you?" And I want to be like, "Can you guess?" <laughs> so what's on my chest? Yep. Yes. And read what's on my yes. back when I'm um, walking. But no, out. I'm I'm doing good, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, bro. I feel this. Yeah, there's just been a lot going on, and I'm feeling the Lord really moving. And um. Yeah, I'm in a good. I'm in a good place. That's great. That's great. Um, How are you doing? Whatever. I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. I'm in the daily grind, the daily hustle. So. You know, at the moment, it's just about becoming better every single day and just improving with the content that I make and with the podcast that I you know, record. Every, literally every single time, there's like a new element in the picture or like um, in the audio file or whatsoever. So that's what I really love. I'm doing good, man. It's a lot of work, but I'm doing good. Good. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Feel that. And Feel that. I mean, the last time we, we left off, we had a really intense conversation or extensive conversation about the topic of identity and you know us both you already being like a coach with a good client base right and me work working myself towards that point um i think i i, I wanted to make this uh, this and another episode with you touching on this topic again you know not, maybe not identity but moving a step further uh, into you know beginning of the year we just had a rough full moon behind us a couple of weeks ago and like we're, we're setting the right intentions and the right kind of first step into the year 2024. So I thought it would be a great episode mm -hmm. just with you to vibe a little bit on that topic and see what we can get out of it so we can both improve, accelerate for this year and maybe some people listening out there have the chance to, you know, take a nip or two from uh, the stuff that we share, yeah. right? So um, Absolutely. what what do you daniel what do you usually do when it comes to a new year like this right you're you're in your you're in your evolutionary process you're going through things right now as well um growing becoming more becoming bigger you know serving more um and giving more um what helps yeah. you in a place like this to kind of like get your mind into the right direction of where you want to go and actually you know accomplish yeah. that task Great question. I think the first, one of the first things, and this is what I've actually, what I've talked about this morning with uh, some clients this morning, and then just over the past couple of weeks, and especially with people that continuously have this 
new year, new me cycle, where it feels like the new year like requires a reset. That's it, it seems like a new year has become synonymous with making changes, which is is cool. But most of the time, people are setting new goals with an old identity. And so what happens is, even if they're if they have these new aspirations or new revelations or new things they want to do, they're setting it from the same place that they did before. And so what I would encourage people to do, and I actually just wrote this, I'm creating a, an identity journal of sorts, and I created a beta form worksheet. And it's a calibration that happens before you start setting your goals so that you know where you're at before you set them. Uh, think of it this way. If you have super clean sheets that you just you just washed, they're dry, they're fresh out of the dryer, super warm and nice and white, and then you go put them on a mattress that's covered in mud, mm -hmm. that's the concept of new goals with an old identity because no matter how clean those sheets are, if there's still mud there on that bed, it's going to tarnish the sheets. And even if the sheets are themselves white, the mud gets onto that. And so what I, what I try to do for myself, number one, the thing that keeps me going is my faith. It's a lot of prayer, a lot of journaling, a lot of time with the Lord, just in obedience of just, Lord, what do you want me to know about this? What do you want me to do? Obviously, not everybody's like that. That's my foundation. Mm -hmm. But I would, I would encourage people Especially, you know, right around this end of January, going into February, people either are even more motivated because they've done really well the past couple of weeks, or they're just saying, oh, this is the same as last year. I might as well revert back to my old ways. Mm -hmm. And so I would really encourage people, whoever is listening to this, if you have set goals to the beginning of the year and you haven't started making changes to do them, the problem is that. The problem is not that you've set goals that are too big for yourself. The problem is that you have set goals outside of yourself and your progression. So the goal is not what's important. And people could disagree with that, but I want you guys to hear the context of this. The goal is not the thing that's important. It's understanding the person who's setting it. It's the same thing in poker. I don't play poker, but I know that, and I learned this from Suits as well, the TV show, but Harvey Specter always says, you're not playing poker, you're playing the man. So you have to know the man, you have to know the person. So it's not just, you, you can't just know the goals that you have. The person that you are needs to be aligned with the goals that are setting. So if you set all these goals that are outside of the realm of who you are as a person, it's not that you can't achieve those goals, you just haven't set yourself up. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what I would say is, is before you set your goals or as you set your goals, there needs to be a period of time where you are emotionally calibrating, figuring out who you are, what Setting kind your foundation. of you know what kind yeah. of person is needed to achieve these things exactly. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So that's I think that, the that would the be foundation. <laughs> I think I think the foundation is always the central part, right? If you always say like the the height of the skyscraper is the dependent upon the depth of the foundation. So if your foundation is not deep enough, like you try to jump and just climb the ladder up high, up high, if you're not rooted enough in who you are and who you want to be truly from the heart with all of the deception, without all of the deceptions of the, you know, 
common consumeristic world, um, the tower will fall, right? So I always revert back to the foundation as well. Um, and recently listening to uh, an, an, epi- an old episode from the What the Passion podcast that we had with uh, Matt Gribbley, a good friend of ours, Matt Gribbley, um, mm-hmm. it was incredible to go back into Kevin Trudeau's teaching of, uh, you know, you wish is your command and how he teaches mm-hmm. the, the four basics or the five basics of the foundation, right? Who do you listen to? Um, how you yeah. weigh out your hows and your whys. Um, the understanding the ways how you process information and learn them. And on the other hand side, um, yeah, just repeating those basics all over and over and over again until you have a foundation to work from. Um, you, pro- you probably yeah. came across Kevin Trudeau's teachings as well, right? Back in the day, or long time ago, long, long time yeah. ago, long, long time ago. Yeah, but it's true. Yeah, it's true. Very so, for sure. So, if people want to understand um, how to change the man, how do they approach? Great question. One of the biggest things that I see being taught is you have to find your why, which is very important, of course. It's your purpose, all those things. I would say. The why is good, but the thing that causes true transformation is knowing where that why came from so that you can figure out if you've set your why in a false identity. How so do you do that? One of, one, of the TED, one of the TED Talks that changed my life was Simon Sinek. This was probably eight, nine years ago, maybe. I think I was mm-hmm. 20. Mm-hmm. And he has a podcast called Start With Why. And the book is amazing. And he's amazing. And all it, like just such a good talk. And then as I've grown older and started coaching and coaching more and more clients and just more and more, it's always identity. Most people know roughly, you know, I'm doing this for this reason, Mm -hmm. but it would truly change people's life if they figured out why they're doing it for that reason. So it's not just the why, it's how the why was created, which is, what is the purpose for this why being there? So if someone says, my why is I want to retire my mom. Most of the time, if I go, okay, what does that mean? Okay, well, it means that my mom doesn't have to. And what would that do for you? So the why isn't really about retiring their mom. That's the action that's done that will show their purpose behind what they were doing. But the real reason is because it will make them feel worth something or they feel inadequate. And so in order for them to feel adequate, they have to do this thing. And that, again, that is not bad. I'm not saying, oh, well, you said you wanted to help your mom, but really you're just trying to feel adequate. They need to know that going into, the, into it. So when these obstacles come up, they're not, they're not falling short of trying to help their mom. They're just falling into the pattern of considering themselves inadequate to complete a certain thing that they want to do. Yeah, and because so if, if, the they, if they, it, 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 make, it makes sense because if that reason actually becomes actually like a reality and they still don't feel a certain sense of fulfillment, they know their real why was even deeper. Um, we talked already about it on this yeah. podcast a couple of times now from uh, Dean Graziosi. You know, he has the example or the, mm-hmm. the format of Seven Levels Deep um, in his book, Millionaire mm-hmm. Success Habits. And that's exactly that. You know, you ask yourself, why are you doing, like, why are you doing this? What's your reason for doing this? And the, you ask yourself that 
question repetitively seven times in a row. And you will realize after the fourth time, it gets really hard because you've scraped away all of the, yeah, I want to retire my mom uh, because I want to see her happy um, because that gives me a sense of fulfillment. Because, right, you go deeper and deeper and deeper, and it gets harder and harder to find more logical reasons why you want to do something. And um, the really yeah. cool thing about the exercise, why number five, uh, six and why number seven? So up to the last, the third to last, um, why your logical brain can't find any more rational solutions and will switch over to the emotional side, which will then turn on mm-hmm. and give you the real core reasons. But and usually, a lot of times, um, number seven, if people get to that, is very, very, very emotional. And when I found out my mm-hmm. like, seventh level, I started crying because it felt so touched because mm-hmm. I've never even thought about um, that being, mm-hmm. you know, the real reason why. But yeah, sorry, didn't want to interrupt. I just quickly wanted to have yeah. a quick jab on that. No, no, that's, that's a really, no, that's really good. And I think in the same way that a lot of people don't see success because they stop too soon, people don't have inner revelations because they stop too soon. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'll be like, oh, I want to do it for my mom. But I'm just going to keep using that example because it's simple. Do yeah. it for my mom yeah. because it'll show that I'm worth this or whatever. And then they'll stop there. But kind of like what you and I have worked on in the past as well is just figuring out those core values that it's not just the value for your why that's driving you. That is the place that you make decisions in general. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the important thing is not just figuring out your pur- purpose because it's this whole package deal where it's this cycle where if you don't know who you are when you're setting goals, when you're making decisions to pursue your goals, you're not going to know what decision to make because there's no alignment. You're so even yourself if you set the right already. goal... yeah. Yes. And it's not because, and the the biggest thing is it's not because you're a failure. You're just unaware of where you're at. And and I think what happens is people are so, you know, and I've seen a lot of coaches too, or just people in general, and they're like, you got to figure out what you want and you got to figure out Mm -hmm. why you're doing it. And then Mm -hmm. that's it. And that's where they stop. And then they, they work with you once the goal is set. Yeah. Which is cool. But the thing that's really important is do you even know where that that is coming from because a lot of the time people were set their people will excuse me set their goals in comparison subconsciously to things they've seen other people see so they might not even want to retire their mom but because they saw their friend do it and they're like that would probably make me feel pretty good i want to do that as well it's not even their goal so that's why if you yeah, don't set yeah. it in your true identity, you could be spending your whole life pursuing what you think is a goal that really came from someone else. And so all of your decisions are rooted in emotion that isn't even yours. It, but to, to identify that, because how, how do people get to that? They see it in other people, yes. But at a certain point, it's, it's so ingrained into their memory that this is exactly what they want because they've seen it repeatedly so many times and they have this biased confirmation right. of it being the fact. So I'm, I'm wondering how do people, how can people discern if what their why is is actually theirs or not? That's like mm. the question that would come up to me because yes. it makes sense. Imagine you have friends and they constantly portray what you want you know they retired the mom you see it on social media you see it everywhere you say yeah. you want it yeah. but 
it's just a layer of what you want, right? It's, is it actually yeah. what you want? And how can you properly discern what be, is yours? It could be, and, and that's, yeah, and that's the thing is it, it could be something that you do want. I'm not going like, mm -hmm. to say, no, you don't want to retire your mom. But mm -hmm. that, again, that would be the end result of the why. That's not the why. Yeah. You're not retiring your mom to retire your mom. There is a why that caused the, the need to set that in the first place. And so the way that people can get there, number one, it does, like it takes, it takes work. I don't know how else to say that, but if it, it takes inner work. But it's not as hard as people think. People think mm -hmm. it's challenging. It's it's difficult in the sense of it's emotionally straining and it might be scary, but it's not hard. So in the same thing where something's simple but not easy, like this is difficult, but it's not hard, which might not make any sense. And I probably worded that wrong. But Maybe. it's just number one, a big part of it is is humility. Mm -hmm. And being okay with the fact that you might be functioning from a false place. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Is is just saying, okay, there is a chance. Let's go into this work assuming I'm wrong about everything. And that actually, and I'm okay with knowing this, that I'm living from a lie that I created about myself or that the world gave me or that this parent that didn't believe in me or this teammate that said this one thing or this teacher Let's assume that there is actually a large possibility that something in my childhood or something in my upbringing led me to believe this lie that I am now saying is my true identity. Mm -hmm. So the first thing would be humility and realizing that is a possibility. And then the next thing is just asking the right questions. And that sounds very simple. But if you're looking for answers, you have to know the questions and you have to be okay to get the answers to the questions a lot of people will get the answers but since they don't want the answer they think they ask the wrong question so again for example when you say i want to retire my mom because this the next question isn't okay how do we retire mom or what does that mean to you it's where did that come from have you always felt that way when did it first start what is it about your mom specifically those those types of questions. What would that mean for you if that did that? And then they go, well, what that would mean that would that would mean that I'm worth something. Okay, so how do you define what worth is? Worth is your ability to output in this world. And and where did you get that definition from? Well, I got this definition from my from my dad because he told me when I was a kid when I was playing baseball that if I didn't do this. So now we understand that the reason you want to retire your mom is because your dad told you the definition of worth when you were nine. And that is the type of that there's not, it doesn't take a ton of questions. It's just the type of questions and the willingness to go there because it is scary. And like you said, it's, you'll, you'll cry. I've cried so many times. I've cried of happiness. I've cried of fear. And then what happens sometimes is people will figure it out and they go, oh my gosh, I've wasted so much time living in the wrong identity. But here's the beautiful thing about that. When you are freed from that false identity, what you actually have done, you've liberated yourself and you've created common ground for a lot of people that are in your position that you were before and they can relate to you now. So it's the same thing. I think Harriet Tubman gave this quote and she said, I would, I freed thousands of slaves and I, I would have freed thousands more if they knew they were slaves. 
which I always thought was an amazing quote by her. Because if yeah. you think about it, if someone doesn't think they're a slave, why would they why would they get out? If someone doesn't think they're trapped in their own mind, they're not gonna get a life coach, they're not gonna listen to these podcasts because they have it all figured out. Plato's cave theory. Makes sense. Yes, exactly. Right? Plato, Plato's, Plato's, Plato's cave theory. Yes, yeah. exactly. And the thing the thing is if yes. you indulge uh, into conversations with people who do not believe and not support your growth or your realizations if eventually even if you are on the on the on the brink of you know seeing the light from outside of the cave the other part will convince you to stay inside because actually that is an illusion and people fall back into the same patterns over again right um yeah, yeah it it, it makes sense Group identity is a massive thing. That's why I recommend everyone, yes, we are social beings. Yes, it is great to have social occasions and it's important for us to, you know, be in social environments like closed or, you know, private qualitatively qualitative uh, environments. It's important for our mind, it's important for our peace because that's, you know, ingrained in us if we're in a herd in a group, uh we survive. If we're alone, we die, right? That's uh, the call of the wilderness. Mm. Um so it's ingrained in that. But I always say, yo, if you cannot be by yourself for more than 24 hours, just entirely you by yourself, we got to talk. There is something that you're running from, right? Because you have a certain yeah. sense of, okay, I need that. I need, why do you need that? Why do you need to like, like be around people? Because it yeah. gives me anxiety. Why do you have anxiety? Well, because I feel, you know, not really worthy uh, and I got to get validation from other people. See, that's the same principle as like going deeper in the why. Um, people just have to be open for growth, right? They just have to be open and yeah. let that actually happen. And I think the problem in our society, and it's luckily slowly lifting and, you know, becoming more open and widespread, is that vulnerability, vulnerability is actually a superpower, right? Mm. Being vulnerable is a superpower. Yeah. A lot of men or women out there don't know how to show emotions when they're around people. They can only for themselves. You know, yet they deem them their feelings only by themselves not worthy or valid. Um, so I think we should appeal to the people out there to, you know, go talk to a friend, be more open. You know, start conversations about you know your real why, what you want to do, and liberate yourself a little bit from that group yeah. mentality if you're too much in it. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, man, but People, you're, 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 yeah. Continue. Sorry. Oh no, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was done. Easy. Oh, <laughs> I was just saying there is there is a beauty of keeping your individualism within groups. So I have multiple friend groups where I love being around them, and they are a part of who I am, but they don't define who I am. So their their presence doesn't their presence is just felt, but it's not dictatorial. So a lot of people and that and that is the the difference is when you're in those group settings, what system and what functions are you using to make decisions about yourself in those settings? Most of the time, people's first thought is not. Is this something I'm okay with? And will this make me feel comfortable? Their first thought is, how will this look if I do this? Mm -hmm. And then they weigh their decision based off of the perception. And that could be from insecurity, needing to be validated, whatever it is. Right? Kind of like what you were talking about. 
And so think about, think about how powerful it would be to have a group of people that came together for the same support, for the same purpose, but they all knew who they were within that. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is where true revolution starts, is mm-hmm. when you have individual thinkers who can come together as a collective without getting sucked into the group identity. Those, those people are unstoppable. Like one of the best sports teams will be a group of people who all know the exact function of their skills. And the second their skill set stops, they know who to hand it off to. And they don't care if it makes them look quote unquote bad because they can't do it. They, they're strengthening other people in their identities, lifting them up in that and then moving forward as a collective. It's the same thing when you look at the Spartans, when they had the, or the Vikings, the Spartans, the shield wall or the dome shield, there were people holding the shields and then they would say release. And then you'd go out and you would stab your, your javelin or your spear or whatever. Everybody has a different role. Every person has their own unique identity. Um, and, and there are so many people that are functioning from a, from a place of a, of a false identity. And I think the problem, one of the biggest problems is, is the, the most content the biggest type of content that is shoved down our throats every single day in every form in every category is to be mm-hmm. your best self. And that might sound like, well, why wouldn't I want to be your best self? Because if you're not your true self, your best is never actually your best. Word. It's, the, it's, it's a, it's, it's it's a version that can be experienced from a false place. It's a, it's similar of the quote of I'd, I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I am not. I don't want people to be the best their best self. I want them to be their true self because when they're the, in their true self and they function from that, they will be the best by default mm-hmm. because they're true. Yeah. Right. Authenticity. Authenticity. Defining yeah, who you are and it's, standing behind that. Yeah, it's, and 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 so that is, I mean, that's the mission, man. It's it's the alchemist, right? It's mm-hmm. this boy who I don't want to give away the book for those who haven't read it, but that other than the Bible, that was one of the books that changed my life. Where there's this boy, right. and he goes on this huge journey to try to learn who he is and what he wants, and then mm. gets to the end of the journey, and he realizes it was back where he started. And it's like, oh, I was going out here, something that's in here. And so when you figure out what's in here, everything, the, the decisions will come. For those of you that are listening to this, who have a really hard time making decisions, the thing that is making the decision hard to make is not because you are an indecisive person. And here's what happens is people will identify with something they're not good at. They'll say, oh, I'm not good at speaking, or I'm an indecisive person because this. The reason being is because there's you're not an indecisive person. You just don't have a proper system set up to make decisions based off of who you are. And so you're, you, you make decisions. You just have to go through way more filters than, than you should. Because you mm-hmm. go, instead of saying, does this help me? And does this not hurt other people? Okay. Is this good for me? It's bad for me. It's, okay, what is this person going to think? Well, I know that my best friend would think this, but then my parents would think this, but my best friend actually is close to me than my parents are. But I really do want to please my parents and make them proud because of this thing. And then my other people say yeah. this. So then you lose by the time you get to the decision, the reason it's so hard to make is not because it's a hard decision. It's because you have 
15 different things to think about that have nothing to do with you. Makes sense. And that's why getting to know yourself, I think it's always like a cycle that keeps on repeating. Like every deeper step we go brings us to a higher resolution if what, what we get to uh, when we resolve it. And it always leads back to if we don't have that twisted the right way, you know, we got to work on the basics. It's always the basics that I got like, that need to come in. Like, what are your values? What are you afraid of? Yeah. You know, because exactly this is like the uncertainty and the not really, because at the end of it, it all goes down back to the part of why. So knowing your why helps you to be more authentic because you know no matter what you do, you're walking on the right path. You know, no matter what you do and no matter who you like disappoint uh, along the way, it's okay because you're doing it for yourself. And I think then it's just about consistency because life will test you in many different ways. Life has its different facets, its different seasons, its different full moons, right? Where it's always like you, you have seasons where you slack off. I, I've, I've, I've felt that the last weeks, like the first weeks of this year, funny enough, it's always beginning of January, which is quite rough for me. Um, I feel it how mm. I know what I have to do. I know that I have to put my heart and my focus into this podcast getting cool guests like you on making like making interesting clips just sharing information that is interesting to me and hopefully interesting to people who listen out there um but you get times where you wake up in the morning and it's raining outside in luxembourg and we have horrible winters like uh yeah. and you just don't feel like doing anything and on days like these i wish i could just sit on the couch or lay in bed all day long and do nothing but I know if I do it once, I will do it again. So actually here comes one thing that I've implemented for myself since I heard it for the first time last year in November, I think. Uh, that video from Ed Milet, where he talks about the story of his dad, you know, how he went from alcoholic to stopping alcohol and how he always just said one more day, right? So that one more day principle, that's what I, for example, do if I feel like I'm slacking off. I feel like I'm, I'm not... Yeah. I'm not doing what I what I what I'm supposed to do. Like it's usually not a lot, but I always have my everyday tasks, like posting two pieces mm. of content, sharing them, and so on, writing captions. It maybe takes in 45 minutes in total of the entire day. And especially on week mm. weekend days when I don't feel like it, I gotta be like, man, just one more day. Just do it one more day and let's see how you're feeling tomorrow, but at least you did it today. And that helps me, for example. Yeah. And, and even um, what's interesting with that, too, is the, revel the revelations come in that space in between. So in the same way where we were t where when we were talking about 75 hard last time, where I was like, I wish, I wish they would have a survey where before they start 75 hard, the question is, what stage of life are you in or how do you feel specifically that makes you feel like this is the type of thing that you need where it's you have to do something insanely extreme right so it's that same thing of okay one more day what are you feeling right before you say one more day mm -hmm. what is the feeling that's causing you to need the encouragement of one more day and that's, that's what happens because then, then what happens is one more day doesn't become a statement to encourage you. It becomes just part of your thought process. So for yeah. example, if someone is really struggling and they go, okay, I just need to do one more day, one more day, one more day. That's a great mindset to have. Mm -hmm. 
I, this is just how my brain works. I just want to take it a step deeper. Where yep. were you at right before you said one more day? Mm-hmm. Where were you at? You were like, I'm, I'm about to slip up or I don't want to do another day or I want to do this because this is what it means. We live our life by definitions. So one more day means something. And because of what that means, where you're at, you're going to say that when your definition or whatever it is, when you feel like something is in jeopardy, you're going to go, okay, one more day. So that space right there is where that mental growth happens. And so another thing for anybody listening, when you think you're the deepest that you can go, go deeper. (laughs) One more question. One more thought. One more journal line, one more, the, those are the moments where, I mean, just radical transformation can happen, right? And, and doing that consistently. So it's, it's those spaces in between. And that's also what sets you apart from other Mm -hmm. people. It's not just knowing more stuff. It's not knowing more about emotional intelligence. It's knowing where the emotions occur and it's right before decisions are made. It's in the definitions you give. And emotional intelligence is the awareness of when those cylinders are clicking. Mm-hmm. And then I think perseverance and dedication is when you find out what you need to do and you feel like you can't do it anymore. You just do it a little longer. You just go search a little yeah. deeper. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I know the beautiful story of, uh, you know, how the... the the biggest gold mine ever discovered was kind of like handed down, right? The story of uh, an old, I don't know if it was El Dorado uh, or Virginia or something like that. So like a farmer bought a piece of land and he said, you know, it was the big gold rush time. Uh, and he started digging for gold and he started digging for gold. And days went by and he spent so much equipment, so much like on manpower to, and on machinery to get everything done. And after a couple, like a couple of weeks of digging, he didn't still didn't find any gold, right? Um, I think another... 10, 15 days, maybe a month passed. And he, he was about to give up, right? He was about to give up. And he said, man, I, there is no gold here. I'm selling this piece of land. So he sold it for a couple of dimes to, uh, to, a, local, to a local, I think, it, yeah, to, uh, to a local mason. And he went over there, borrowed some equipment from a friend. And literally within 30 inches of where the other guy left off, he discovered the biggest gold reservoir ever found in history and he became the richest man on the planet at that time right so it's just about that moment of going a little step further um to reach your goal i love to touch on that i would love to touch on that because i had a lot of thoughts that came into my mind um one that story two i really like david goggins from time to time because he says real growth only happens when you feel like you can't do anymore whenever you're ready to quit Mm -hmm. and to give up if you move past that threshold, you grow. You become a completely different man. And I've, yeah. I feel that when I'm doing physical exercise. Like physical exercise is, I would say, 60% body, 40% mind. Like you can be strong physically. I see a lot of yeah. tough dudes in the gym, but they don't lift the heavy weights that I lift. And they look much bigger than I am. Why? Yeah. Because I do not have, there is no fear for me 
to try yeah, out. Right. Um, I'm, 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 tra- I'm training. I'm training with this seventy-five uh, year old guy. Uh, his name is Jean in my gym. I met him, I think, a year ago, plus minus. He's seventy-five years old, dude. He is ripped and buff. He used to be bodybuilding champion back in the eighties, right? I told you about this, dude. And um, mm-hmm. he brought these old concepts that you know, the times of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ronnie Coleman, uh, Ash Cutler, Jay Cutler. Um, those times they were working with heavyweights. And the way that they increased yeah. their workload was to just have one set with one rep going 10%, 15% higher in weight than they have before. Even if they've never done that weight before, it just takes one simple you know, rep, one simple push through of, let's say, yeah. bench. Once your brain realizes that you can do it and there was some energy left in your body, the next time you try it, it will become much easier. Like I increased yeah. my, uh, I increased my lat pull downs and my uh, bench presses by, bro, thirty percent over the last year, year and a half, simply by just trying a little bit yeah. more, trying a little bit more. So yeah, my great example when it comes to the gym, because yeah. that's the first layer, and if you strengthen that, you can get further deep down in your you know mental and emotional side. Um, I don't know about you, man, but you Absolutely. probably have the same kind of examples when it comes to. Uh, your health where you can translate what we just talked about into that right yeah absolutely and i think what's funny is that you said that i saw a video the other day and there was a guy doing a hack squat and for those of you that don't know what a hack squat is basically it's this machine and there's pads that are on your shoulders and you I'm trying to figure out how to describe it but you, you're basically doing a squat but there's weight on the sides of it it's free weight so you can load it on and imagine you're in a roller coaster. I'm trying to describe this for people that aren't watching this. So you have two handles. You're, imagine you're on a roller coaster and then you squat and you're pushing that weight up. There was a guy and he did a hack squat outside on a machine that he had. And he lifted the entire machine and put it down. What? And he was like, gosh, that was really heavy. He was like, that was really heavy because his max was 600 pounds. And then the guy, there was a guy watching and he said, are you recording? And the guy's like, yeah, I am. He's like, cool, go watch the video. He he lifted 700 pounds because the machine weighed 100 pounds. (laughs) So in his mind, he thought it was 600, but he lifted 700. And so even like, even just not knowing that weight, you know, it's, it's a very interesting concept of what, what, what the body can do based off of what the mind thinks it's doing. And so, yeah, if I yeah, may quickly put in an example on that side, uh, I ch- I was training I was training with my uh, smaller half brother. He's twenty now. I was training with him end of last year, and I was going into our first bulking season together because he's been hitting the gym now for two years, I think two and a half. Um, but he is he is very good in nutrition. He's quite bulky already and has good size. But he never he never went higher on his weights. Uh, so I asked him like, "What's your mm. max on lat pull down?" And he was like, "80." I looked at him and I was like, are you sure it's 80? Bro, you could you could easily go 100, 110. He's like, nah, nah, dude, never, ever, ever. You know, like I, I only can do 80 and that's the max I can do. I was like, okay, you invite me, you invite me for a drink. If within this training, you will easily four to six rep 110 kilos. He was like, yeah, dude, for sure, because you're not going to reach that. And simply by going a little bit higher every single time, every single set, 
like five kilos, two and a half kilos, seven kilos. Like at the end of like six sets or seven sets, he reached 112 kilos. And I was like, how did that feel? And he was like, mm -hmm. actually pretty easy. See, and from there on, his mm -hmm. mind shifted and he yeah. could do more weight. Like, it's, yeah. it's incredible because yeah. this and, is exactly people... that mental power that you learn from personal development that you can translate into any area and any part of your life and it will have a similar effect and improve anything you do, right? Yeah, yeah. And people that say never, oh, I could never do that, I'm never going to do it. The thing is not... Because maybe they could never, like, for example, I'll never be a professional basketball player. That's mm -hmm. fine. But same. Same. what happens is that, that type of mindset translates to a lot of other things. So, for example, when he said even, like, let's say you're, you set a goal for him to hit 110, and he said, I'll never get over 80, and he goes to 90, mm -hmm. you can say, my goal wasn't for you to get to 110. It was to get above 80. Because you said you would never do it, now you did it, so get over it. Like that, you know, that's, so it's, it's, it's interesting because some people that talk like that, and they might say it in passing or as a joke, oh, I could never ever do that or never do this. And, well, I just, what they've done is they have established that they are absolutely rooted in their identity and they're not willing to make any changes, try anything new. And they're doing it because they think they're smart. They're saying, well, I know my capabilities. I'm not going to do that because I would never do that. And I could never do that. Mm. And some people listening to this might say, well, you know, that's just actually them being wise because they know their limitations. I understand everybody has limitations. But sure. for someone to not make an attempt at something that is with relatively within a wheelhouse because they'd say I never could without even and doing that it. Doesn't, um, that doesn't cause any threats. That doesn't cause any threat for his health yeah. or for his, you know. You know, if he's not going to die from it, I think and that's a prerequisite. Out, yeah, even out, even outside of the gym. And and again, mm -hmm. I know there's nuances. So for people that might listen to this and go, well, what about I could never sing? I could never, I could never be a professional tap dancer. Of course, there are things that are just not going to happen. But if your mindset yeah. is, I can never do something because you're you're suppressing anything you can do. You're you're identifying essentially with a sort of not i don't want to use the word victim for this case in particular but mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. you're fully identity you're you're fully identifying with a mindset of inability being incapable and being inadequate yeah and so what happens is you just start to have that level of perception of yourself in a lot of different things and people just want even even people that you know, even like a little food, it's a comfort zone thing, right? Because they don't want to, and they're not doing it because they can't, it's because they don't want to fail. So then in a situation like that, where you say, oh, what's the real, what's the real reason you don't think you could ever do it? Well, because I've never done it in my life. So the real reason isn't because you don't think you can, it's because you're scared that you're going to fail and feel like crap about yourself. Because you've never done right? it. Right. And so then what happens yeah. is, is they just never try, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a perpetual cycle that happens with, I mean, I see it's, it over it's a bummer. and over and over. It's, and it's, over. A, it's a bummer, man. It's a bummer because it's wasted potential, unfortunately. And I, I hope, I mean, I've, I'm still, I'm still, you know, nobody's perfect. You probably have some areas in your life as well where you 
could improve or you could be better, yeah. but something's holding you back, right? Like nobody's perfect. Um, but I think it's fair enough, at least to say, when you're on the path of trying your best, you know, and, you know, having even a cup so full that you can spill some and share some, um, putting yourself to example and putting yourself like saying, hey, I'm not better, but I'm trying, that can maybe help some mm. people out there. You know, that can help. If, if, yeah, you, if I, you can I, be honest with yourself, if you can be honest with yourself, because a lot of people are not. And we always, we've mentioned it before and I wanted to break on that earlier already, but the ego is always and every time the big player that comes in and manipulates your thoughts in order to think you're better, think you don't need that, uh, no, put con like fake confidence inside of you based upon your mind, like your thoughts that you've created, why you could, why you should. Um, and it holds us back from our own potential. Yet, if we use it the right way, it can help us to become, you know, competitive with ourselves and become better and improve. So what, what, is, what is your relationship to the ego? And how can we translate that entire framework into understanding a little bit the, the, the puppet master? right of the strings in which direction it goes um what does the ego mean to you and how can we learn to work with it yeah it's a good one i think the ego can be really helpful and it can also be really damaging because mm -hmm. people that are egotistical it means that the the highest form of their ego is dominating their life and so they're putting themselves above everybody else mm -hmm. there needs there needs to be a sense of ego because that's also again part of how you make decisions and who you are like there that's just there but there's an acronym for ego that i really like and ego ego could stand for edging god out And so when someone has a really God big out. ego, when someone has a really big ego, there's no room for anything else. And so the relationship with the ego for me, and it's funny because I don't even, the ego is such an interesting concept, you know, because for me in my, my personal life, it's, it's me and God. That's my, that's my, my relationship. Um, you know, people could say it's, oh, it's my higher self and my lower self, my, my, whatever it is. But yeah, when, when someone has a really big ego, what that means is that they are so full of who they think they are, that they have no room for anything else. Mm -hmm. No room for growth, That's no true. room for humility. They're unbelievably opinionated. They think they're right about everything. And the bad learners. Funny enough, the people, the people with the biggest egos subconsciously are the biggest victims because they are functioning from a place where they are so scared of being found out or exposed or like they have to take responsibility for stuff that they went through in the past or whatever it is. But again, there is just no space for anything. And yeah, they identify... Man. 
and, and they identify themselves in that. And then that is the controlling factor of how they make their decisions. And they will shut people down. They will force their opinions on other people because if, and, and, and people with a big ego, other people need to recognize it. And they also need to function underneath that person's ego. So let's mm -hmm. say someone is a billionaire, okay, or a neuroscientist or whatever. And they start having a conversation with someone. They have no idea who the person is. They just assume because of who they are that they're better than that person or they know more than that person because of their status. And what that does is it removes any opportunity. You can learn something from anybody. I'm not saying yeah. that a billionaire would have to take financial advice from someone who's never made a thousand dollars, but sure. there is just there is there is just this dynamic of huh. There's eight billion people on the earth. Every single one of them comes from a different walk of life. They all have a different view on life than I do. The more views of life that I have, the more empathy I can create with other people, the more maybe I can change my view of life, and then the more commonality I can have with other people, and the more I can encourage people. So let me just hear them out. Yeah. But what that means is taking the ego from here, and, and bringing it down here and keeping it where it, where it belongs. We've talked about this before. There's a hierarchy, right? And so everything in its place. When you, you, you'll see the biggest change. When money is good, not meaning when you're making a lot of money, but when money is just a good thing that's a good, it's, it's a transactional item. It's just money. When it becomes the pinnacle of who you are, that's when your whole life changes. That's when you start making irrational decisions. Yeah. When love is good and when affirmation in love is good, it's healthy. When, it when the only way you can function is if you're in a relationship, like the people that bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, yep. relationship yep. all the way back, even yep. if it's toxic. Yep. Because their identity is being, being affirmed even by someone who doesn't love them properly. Exactly. And I could give because example they maybe don't need example much. after example. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. And, I think I think if we, so, if we take, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. It, it's yeah. I would say as far as the ego goes, is my relationship with it is consistently trying to keep it where it belongs, which is not at the pinnacle mm -hmm. of who I am. Mm -hmm. And how can the ego actually come in when you're actually being in the present moment? I think a certain level of mindfulness needs to be involved in order for your ego to be calmed, because one thing the ego has or is very good at is projecting into a possible future or a possible past anywhere but here in the present moment and you feel a lot of times when you are meditating or when you are taking some time out having like a a moment of just complete silence there is no room for the ego if you truly let it silence down um and again this presence your ego or not being able to be present in the moment right now with the person that you're talking to makes it a really hard requisite to have run a really good podcast. If I would just be in my mind projecting towards the questions that I want to ask and how I want to make this podcast better instead of giving you the space and actually truly listening to you, um, the quality of this conversation would be completely different. And this can again translate into your relationship, into friendships, into family whatsoever. If you let the ego too much come out or too much be present you're everywhere else here and now with that person because you never know how long that person will still be there for you with you on this you know on this planet um become a become more mindful 
become be more in the present and mm. you will see how your mind and your ego will just dissipate it will just calm down be like all right i know my place yeah. and this again i think this yeah. moment of silence where i think that's a beautiful connection now that moment of silence that you create through intentionally letting go of the ego doing or having your practices to calm your mind down this peace yeah. and surrender which it basically is um opens up this gap to god which you're, which you were talking about before so again mindfulness is the practice that you should have in your or you should be practicing if you want to have more room for god because even if you're a believer yeah. and you and I, you know pray every single day and you go to the church doesn't doesn't mean there's room for god in your mind or god in your life because you're so yeah. preoccupied yeah. with your ego I think that's a beautiful thing to translate yeah. into. Yeah, and you know, it's it's people can know about God, mm -hmm. but they don't actually know Him, and it's relational. And I think one of the biggest, one of the most interesting concepts too, especially in this day and age, the goal is more, 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 fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up, mm -hmm. and true liberation comes from emptiness. And getting rid of all the stuff. A child who has a box overflowing with toys, who gets new toys, what's going to happen? He's going to just try to, he's going to have, try to keep building up on this box of toys to try to balance them all. And then they're going to fall over and he could have 50 toys in this box. And then these other toys fall over and he starts crying because the toys are no longer in the box, even though there's 50 here. And so then he gets more toys. And then he's like, well, mm -hmm. now I have to choose which toys to get rid of. And so it's just more and more and more and overwhelm, more. And overwhelm, more. overwhelm, overwhelm, yeah. And if yeah. we actually focused on emptying and calming the noise, not being in a hurry all the time, mm -hmm. even just that practice, before, when you wake up, you're listening to this, at least 10 minutes, don't look at your phone. Just be in that stillness. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, one of my favorite Bible verses, especially now, is be still and know that I am God. And I read that now and I go, okay, when does, when does knowing God come? After stillness. You got to be still first. Mm. And in the Hebrew, the word that's used for know is yada. And yada means two becoming one. And it's the same word that's used when a man and a woman come together to to uh, consummate when they when they become one when you become married when you have that intimacy it's becoming of the same mind so what it means is be still and yada the lord and that's where relationship is in that knowing in that stillness with him that's where that's where that's where christ lives and that's where the holy spirit is and that's where he meets you and that's where that relational change happens and but most of the time, that knowing doesn't come because there's so much noise. And so if people can incorporate stillness into their life, I think it would be revolutionary. And I think another, and there's, and there's so many good authors out there. There's a, there's a guy named John Mark Comer. He wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And mm. uh, obviously you can guess by the title what it's about, but it's just when you, when you look at if I were to take a bird's eye view of our culture, people are wanting more, faster, 
Always. <laughs> I guess the easiest the easiest way to say it. The second they make their first big check, they go, when's the next big one? When's the next big one? I'm not saying that progression is bad. I'm not saying that pursuit of progression is bad, but it's become the pinnacle of who we are. Yeah. And you could have the best day ever. You could have you could make your most money and then someone's worst day is better than your best day, and then you compare. And yeah. so Going with that relationship in the stillness, if just the emptying is, is where, like imagine your mind being empty and still, and that's how you move throughout your day is in stillness. A soft answer turns away wrath. When someone's, when someone's yelling at you and you're able to be still and go, huh, this person must be in a lot of pain. You, that, you and me, you and me, we have a common friend. Um, you know him as Mr. P. I know him as Pericles. Uh, yeah. right, just a Papa P. <laughs> uh, re- really, Papa P. Yeah, a really right. good friend of ours. Um, and I saw I saw him at the end of when did I see him? Did I see him in summer? No, yeah, I saw him beginning of December. Right, uh, before I actually saw you, I saw Pericles, and he told me about his times because mm. he lives in Greece, he lives in Athens, and he studies there. Um, and there is this monastery close to uh like close to athens like a couple of hours away on an island and um he went there now for the second time i think in a row and it's a beautiful monastery and you just you know, there are just monks living there and you can go uh you can live there for free but you gotta you know take part in their daily rituals and duties in order to you know be accepted there and to live there um and the beautiful thing about this is he you know him Right, you know him. He's a he's always very, you know, all over the place. Yeah. Um. Through this, he found a connection towards gods like no other, because within mm. these simple within these simple daily rituals of everyone had a task. He was the woodchopper, and Pericles is not the type of guy that would voluntarily do like uh, physical exercise. Right? He's quite. He looks quite sporty. He used to be quite sporty, but he's he's lazy from time yeah. to time. Um, and he became the woodchopper there. And through that simple task, praying seven times a day, which he was not used to, uh, waking up super early in the morning and just live, being in silence for a long period. You have like this dedicated hour, two hours of silence during the day where you're just with your thoughts through that manner of silence and not speaking that much, learning the right things, being in a good, healthy environment, changed him as a person a lot. It changed his beliefs. It changed the way he looks at life. And I think that's such a beautiful realization um, for someone I know that has been studying you know, different types of beliefs and ideologies. And it brought him back right to his source, which I find super like, inspiring, super inspiring. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Like one one ex or one thing that comes to my mind now as well. Um for those who have a difficulty finding that mindful spot. Um a good friend of mine that I had on an interview last week, uh, Yannick Cousin, he's a, a breathwork facilitator and he's incredible at what he does. And we talked a lot about, you know, breathwork in general and what it's good for and how it can just help you take you out of your daily routine, your daily stress, your daily whatever is happening in your life and just reset you entirely clear you clean you cleanse you and just reset you and it helps you reconnect to your inner core your deepest core 
and at the same time helps you to you know release what needs to go out. Um, breathwork yeah. is a very nice concept, and Yannick would be a great talk for you as well, Daniel, um, for your podcast because mm. uh, he's an incredible guy. I really love him. Um, but mm. what are some? Because I can imagine your life is not always roses and all smooth and clean either. What do you do to balance mm. yourself? What are some practical things that you implement? What are some thoughts? Um, rituals that you implement in order to have your mm. balance back. Yeah, man. Especially recently, for me. And again, people listening to this, this is for me. This is this is where I come from. I encourage everyone to pursue the deepest depths of your soul and and just yeah. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. I, I pray, but I don't, it's not talking at God. Uh, one of mother Teresa was in a 60 minute interview on 60 minutes and they were like, so what does mother Teresa say to God when she prays to him? And she's like, oh, I don't say anything. I, I just listen. And then they said, oh, well, what does he say? And she said, oh, nothing. He just listens. And if you don't understand that, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and it's, wow. it was, you know, it's a clever, it's a clever comment. But for me, wow. it's, it's been a lot of, again, sitting in stillness and reflecting. Because if you think about it, if prayer is just me talking, 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 talking to God, that is actually my ego. Because I'm creating the noise, hoping that God just responds to my noise adequately. But if I'm just still and I empty my mind and I'm just like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to sit here with you and we're going to have a dialogue and I'm, what do you want me to know? And then you just sit for me. Mm -hmm. So I had, um, I had an important call the other day, a big decision to make. And I said, okay, I'm going to get quiet. So I went in my room. I set a timer for 15 minutes. Sometimes you get into that flow state and you're like, you don't know how long it's been. I've had times where I'll close my eyes to just sit and pray or something. And I'll, I'll open my eyes and it's been an hour and it felt like 10 minutes and I needed to get on this call. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I set a timer and I, I just did, um, I, I prayed and I just journaled. I was like, okay, Lord, this is what I, this is what I feel like you're putting on my heart. What do you want me to know about this? What are, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. And so it's been a lot of that staying grounded um, because that's where I make my decisions and my system and function and all those things for people that, um, that don't know the Lord, don't believe in God. Um, you know, obviously there, there are things that you can do. I would, I would say having a practice, writing down, it doesn't have to be some crazy journal, but just writing down some of your main thoughts gets you grounded because when you write because you're writing you write down what's most important in your head so if you have three thoughts mm -hmm. at once what's going to come out on paper subconsciously is the one that needs to be seen and so i would encourage people to just write a couple minutes a day you can spend three hours on social media you can spend three minutes writing down what's going on in your head and what you'll find is as these thoughts come out, it makes room for new thoughts. 
Because if you just have thoughts circling around your head, that's where a lot of the noise comes from. Is you, you listening to this podcast right now probably have a lot of really incredible ideas. But because they're all blending together, that's what's making it hard to make a decision on how to move forward. So start writing. I would really encourage people to start some sort of physical exercise that requires some sort of respiration, whether it's walking, doing a couple push-ups, some sit-ups, jumping jacks, whatever it is, just get your heart pumping. Um, yeah. Get that oxygen in. Because yeah. when, you're, when you're just static, it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to think clearly. And we're in a vet, we're in a, in a vet, we're in a very sedentary environment where we're just, people sit all day, they work on their laptop, and then they sit on the couch, and then they sit when they eat, and then they lay down to go to bed, and then they wake up and sit. So it's just a lot of sitting and a lot of breathing air from an apartment or a house. Mm -hmm. So get out, and not much get outside nature. right yeah. now. Yeah, and just, and then obviously people listening to this that are like, my climate is this, my neighborhood isn't safe, my, I don't have a comfortable this, I, I, I understand that there are a lot of outside factors, but there's a couple of options. You, I'm not saying, again, to go full Monty, make all these crazy changes and blah, blah, blah. Find one thing different than your daily routine. Literally, mm -hmm. put your pants on with the other leg first. Do things to rewire your brain. Brush your teeth with your left hand if you're right-handed. Like mm -hmm. Just little things like that. Switch, switch up your neurons. That, and that is how you grow in the gym as well as the second your body starts to get used to a workout, it stops growing. That's why that yeah. extra rep is really important. That's why changing your work, workout routine every now and then is really healthy. Um, so, so yeah, and, and that emptiness, like having, having specific thoughts and what I'm really excited for just to get this journal out is I'm going to be creating a tool for you guys and for people to to do this where if you don't know where to start, I'm going to help you get there of just the thoughts to, to think in the morning. Like imagine waking up and going, how can I empty myself today for the purpose of serving myself and others? Mm -hmm. That's your daily thought. Are you kidding me? Your life would change. Like, what does it look like to empty myself in this situation? Mm -hmm. Letting this person yell at me because of something else that they're going through and me going, just being very calm and saying, wow, I can tell you're really upset and I'm, I'm really sorry that that came out. Even if you know that you didn't do anything wrong, humility to say, I'm so sorry it came off that way. That was never my intention. Mm -hmm. Is there something I can do to help you? That, I mean, bro, people, people, yeah. Game when you have that mindset, people can't, people can't beat you. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. So, uh, so I appeal to everyone. <laughs> I appeal to everyone. Get on that journey, man. Get yeah. on that journey of growth, of rediscovering yourself, of finding your true colors, your true the sound that your voice wants to speak. Right, uh, finding your values, what is important to your life, uh, and eventually through the combination of all of that, find peace for your life and for the you know, support the friends that need it in their life so you we can create a better world man and and that go i would say this was a beautiful second episode again daniel we're like an hour 10 in again and it feels like it's just it feels like we just did it we just started like 10 minutes ago right just exactly what you said before we're in that flow state and it doesn't feel like an hour 10 minutes but i think it's a good time to um you know to 
call it a stop here and actually invites yeah. invites you then for a third round very very soon because like i said it always takes much more than just an hour to get a real and proper conversation going um but at the same time you always have to stop when it's at its peak so that's what we're doing daniel do you have any last words that you want to give out to the audience listening and watching yeah. this right now um and again maybe yeah. maybe give 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 the audience a little plug of where they can find you uh in case they haven't watched the first yeah. ever session with of us yes so obviously you can find this podcast on spotify under the journey beyond uh under identity talks i'm sure i, I think it's mm-hmm. the title uh, for me, my Instagram is just Daniel Schuler, S-C-H-U-L-E-R-R. And I created another page that I'm going to start building up. But this was just put on my heart. And I think for people going, okay, that's a lot of information. And I don't know where to start. What can I do mm-hmm. the second this podcast is over? Here's what I would say. It's a call and response. What? is the biggest lie that I currently believe about myself. Write it down. It could be, and and you might think it's the truth. That's the thing is I'm saying it's a lie, but what you're doing is you're writing down what you think the truth is that's actually a lie. So, and this is what lies sound like. I'm inadequate. I'm never going to be good enough. The biggest lie about myself is that I'm going to die with unresolved potential. Uh, my family doesn't love me because blah, blah, blah. All of these all of these lies that are in your head about who you are as a person. So what is the biggest lie that you believe about yourself right now? Where did it come from? And what is the truth? And those questions might take you a couple days to write. But mm-hmm. ponder that. And they might change. You might write down one lie and where it came from. And what the truth is, and you go, oh, actually, that makes me think of this thing. That makes me think of this thing. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're overcoming an obstacle right now, what's the lie about this obstacle? What do I believe this obstacle says about me? What's the truth about it? We're constantly in a state of lies and truth. So you have to observe the lie, know the lie, figure out the truth. And you know the truth from knowing who you are, and the truth will set you free. And that's what that means. Beautiful. And on that note, make sure if you haven't yet to follow my man Daniel Schuler with double R on Instagram and his new channel, which you will probably soon promote on the next session that we're having together. Um, and yeah, man, thank you all. Thank you all, guys. For, thank you all for tuning in. Um, thank you for listening to today's episode. If you at any point found a little bit of value of what we shared on today's session on today's talk um, make sure to head over to the journey beyond podcast on spotify apple podcast and youtube and follow my journey on uh, instagram um and yeah with this being said thank you all for tuning in and see you in the next one